we had uh, D-Now this weekend, and this is now two out of the last three Sundays I've preached in a t-shirt for anyone uh, keeping track at home, but that's okay. God will forgive me. Um, and I'm going to be honest. I, I've kind of reached, like, whenever I was a younger youth pastor, like, pulling late-nighters and getting up and energy and everything was, like, really easy. I feel like there's a sack of bricks on my shoulder this morning. So we may be witnessing the shortest sermon in the history of First Baptist Lowell this morning. Uh, I had a pause for applause written in there, so you can go ahead and... No, <laughs> no I'm, I'm not going to lie to you guys. Uh, I, I kind of had, I had messaged the, uh, the speaker that we had at this weekend. His name's Chris Selby, and I had said, hey... Uh, what are you going to teach on? Because he's preaching at Lakeview Baptist. We had partnered with them for uh, this weekend. So he, he's preaching there this morning, I believe. And I had messaged him and said, hey, you're going to continue what you've talked about over the weekend there. What are you talking about so I can try to mirror it or something? And he said, well, I think it's going to be this, but I'm also thinking it may be this or this. And I was like, okay, that didn't really help me out a lot. I'm not doing three sermons. Um, and so I was kind of going into the weekend expecting maybe something he said. He had three different teaching sessions and expecting something he said to maybe kind of just stir my heart or, or jump out to me. And it really wasn't. If session one, I was sitting there and I was trying to take notes and I was just like, I, I'm not, I'm just not feeling something to say on Sunday. And session two, kind of the same thing. And we were sitting, uh, we were sitting in session three late last night. And in the moments when I was going in and out of consciousness, uh, I was really starting to feel that I didn't need to say anything Sunday morning. And that, that, that may sound weird to you, and I already said we're going to have the shortest sermon, so it may sound like, okay, we are just saying amen and going to lunch. But, but I started thinking about our theme. And if you, if you see, I, I like Star Wars. I'm not like a big Star Wars fan, but this is a, a, a play off of the new show on Disney Plus called The Mandalorian. Um, and it says, this is the way. It was our theme of the weekend. And it was looking at John 14, 6, where, uh, where Jesus says to his disciples, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I was trying to think of a clever way to work this into a sermon. I mean, I used up all my creative energy on getting baskets a couple weeks ago, so I'm kind of tapped out for the rest of this year. But, <clears throat> but as I started to think of how I could spin this into something that I could share this morning, I started to realize I was falling into what I can categorize as one of the greatest traps in ministry today. And it's this, this feeling that we need to come up with something flashy or something new every time we step up on this stage. And we completely shut out the fact that Scripture in itself is sufficient for us to know and grow in Christ. The sufficiency of Scripture is possibly the most under-attack aspect of Scripture in our world today, and I'll explain why that is. It's because it's not only being attacked by non-Christians, as a lot of aspects of the, the Scriptures are, but it's also being attacked by Christians. Not necessarily with our words, but with our actions. Before we look at why that is and exactly what this means for us, I think we need to understand 
exactly what the Bible being sufficient really means. Like what this big word that I'm going to have trouble saying all morning uh, means. And it's really, to say it simple as possible, it's that the Bible is enough. And I think of like, uh, if you were filling a glass with water, and it's at its total brim, it's maxed out, it is ha- it has had enough. And if you add anything, you can't add anything to it. It's had enough. It is sufficiently filled. And we look at Scripture and we have to say that it is filling our cups as believers. We do not need extra things on top of the Word of God. And, and so when, when I say that this is under attack from Christian people, let me, under, let me explain exactly what I mean by that. It's, it's not necessarily what we argue about the most, but it's the way we discredit it with our actions and the fact that if you go into a bookstore and there's entire sections of Christian living, we feel that we need something other than the Bible to help supplement our purpose in life. And don't get me wrong, I, I have a ton of those Christian living books in my office, and I read them, and like, they're not totally wasteful or, or useless. They're very good and helpful, but they're not the Bible. How cool would it be to walk into a bookstore and it says Christian section, and it's just all the Bible? Because that's what the Christian life is really about. It is sufficient for us. And I, and I see, another thing is I see this pressure, and, I, and I'm not totally sure where it comes from. I don't know if, if as pastors, Aaron and I and other people that I know put it on ourselves to come up with new and like catchy like uh, series titles and ti- sermon titles. Like there's this pressure to come up with something new or to bring something to this stage that hasn't, no, people haven't thought of before something, and I don't know if we put that pressure on ourselves or if, or if the people in the congregation put that pressure on us, like, oh, well, I've heard that sermon before, you know, we've all heard John three sixteen. why did you preach on that? You know, I, I don't know exactly where it comes from, but either way, it's also a sign that as Christians, we don't believe in our hearts that scripture is enough. We need some X factor to push it over the edge. And I think of the the phrase sola scriptura, which stands for scripture alone is sufficient. All we need is the word of God. And that is enough for us to understand and follow God in living a life devoted to him. If you are someone who is constantly looking for more from God, then I'd question your belief in the sufficiency of Scripture because He has given you all you need. And we really see how the Bible is sufficient for a Christian life in two ways. First, we see that it is sufficient for our salvation. And I'm going to read from Ephesians 2 this morning, a very popular verse. Again, we're, we're covering things that that are talked about. John 14, 6 is a super popular verse. John, or Ephesians 2, 4 is another popular verse that says, but because of his great love for us, who is God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgression, it is by grace you have been saved. 
And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms of Christ Jesus. Skipping ahead to verse 8, it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and is not from yourself. It is a gift from God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And if you turn over to Romans 10, 17, it says, So faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. Literally, these two passages merged together tell us that we are saved by grace and that grace comes through faith and that faith comes from hearing and hearing comes from the word of God. Literally, those two verses pushed together tell us that the word of God is sufficient for our grace and salvation in Jesus Christ. The second thing, and what we're going to kind of set up camp on this morning, is that we see that the Bible is sufficient for sanctification. And, and sanctification is just a big, chancy, fancy church word for becoming like Christ. So the Bible is sufficient not only for our salvation, but for also our Christian living or, or this progression through the Christian life to become like Jesus. And realistically, if you read the Bible from cover to cover, this is its entire purpose. Yes, the, the purpose of salvation is in there, but from cover to cover, the idea is to help us to reclaim the image of God that we lost in Genesis 3. And I can prove it to you because when you look at how, when God made humanity, it says what? He made it in his image. Man and woman were made in the image of God. And in Genesis 3, it sounds like God is punishing them for what they did in the fall of man by blocking them from getting to the tree of life, right? He puts the, the angel, the flaming swords of cherubim, um, and he blocks them from the tree of life. And this sounds like a punishment, but what he was really doing in this moment was showing them grace because it would have, they, if they would have been, had access to the tree of life, they could have lived forever and they would have eternally lived in their own sin and separation from God, but instead he blocks them from that and gives us the release of death into an eternal life with him. Do we see how, the, how changing our perspective of what is seen as a punishment to realizing that it is the grace of God radically changes? And, and so for them to regain access to the tree of life, they would have to be conformed back into the image of God. And, and the whole Bible from Genesis 3 on is a story of how humanity can reclaim this image of God. And it isn't until the final chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, when we see the tree of life mentioned again, but this time we are in heaven with God and we're granted access, meaning that God has provided a way for humanity to regain the image of God. And that is none other than the Bible that is sandwiched between Genesis 3 and Revelation 22. That is, that is the sole purpose of Scripture, is to help us to be sanctified and conformed back into the image of God, which we lost at the fall of man. And, and I look at this question of how, how do I, as a fallen human, conform back into the image of God. And it's just laid out page after page of a book that our world calls boring. It leads us to the heart of Christ. 
through salvation. It leads us to the mind of Christ. Romans 12, 1 says, do not be conformed by the world, but be transformed by the, what, renewal of your mind. So it takes us to the heart of Christ, salvation, the mind of Christ. It also takes us to the will of Christ. John 15 says, whoever abides in me and I in him will bear much fruit, and apart from me you are nothing. The will of God is that we are to abide and be one in Christ. The Bible succeeds in its purpose to not only save us, but to sanctify us. This is our greatest need, and the Bible alone is sufficient to fulfill this need. And so when I came to this realization this weekend, and I'm sitting there trying to come up with some elaborate demonstration of John 14, 6, and, and I started thinking, what am I doing? Why am I taking the Word of God in its purest form, which has the power to save and to sanctify us, and, and, and why am I trying to change it or make it something different or more interesting? And, and when I had this realization that all I needed to do was lean into the Word of God, it was such a burden relieved on my chest that I didn't need to come up here and do something transcendent. I just need to come up here and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in its purest form. And John 14, 6 is that. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. I don't need to add anything to that. There's nothing I could add to that that makes that any greater than it already is. And I don't know, maybe, maybe there's someone in this room this morning who needed to hear that. Need to hear those words directly from Jesus. And they don't need to hear Brian's voice up here changing them or making them cooler or whatever. They need to hear Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, the life. You cannot come to the Father unless you come through Jesus Christ alone. And I don't know if someone in here needed to hear that this morning, but you just heard it directly from the mouth of Jesus. Or maybe you need to realize that in, a, in this culture that tells us that Jesus is a way and a truth and a life that you can choose. It's just one of many. You need to be told that, that <laughs> this world tells us that realistically there's so many different ways to get to heaven. You know, it, it, Jesus is a way. You know, you can do the Jesus route, but you can also do all these other things. And maybe you need to be here this morning and you needed that word the in this passage to be accentuated for you. Plain and simple, cut and dry, no ifs, ands, buts, no frills, no spinning wheels, no flashing lights. Jesus is the way to the Father. The only way to the Father. Let's not be people who get that lost, misconstrued. Let's be people who... who don't just understand that. Like, if I would ask any of you this morning as you walked in, you'd be like, yeah, I, I believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father. But does your life reflect that? Don't just be people who, who understand it and believe it. Let's be people who embrace it and lean into a life filled with proclaiming its truth in the name of Jesus with a world that can't see what is right in front of their face. I can't tell you how many people I've had conversations with where they, they see, they, they understand everything about who God is that they see revealed to them through so many different channels from nature to other people to, to just 
everyday things that they see and, and the grace of God is sitting right in front of their face and they just need someone to like push it in there, right? Why are we not going around pushing that in the face of people? And, we, and we're like, well, I, that sounds a little aggressive, right? Like we don't, we don't want to be the people who shove the Bible down people's throats. But yeah, but you need to help them be the people who read what's right in front of their face. As Christians and believers of the scriptures, we have to be people who understand that it is sufficient for our life. And if we truly believe that, there would be no discussion of, did you read your Bible this week? Be like, heck yeah, I read my Bible this week. It's sufficient for everything that I need in life. Why would I not read my Bible this week? Get into the Word of God. It's sufficient for what you need. Not just to save you, but to sanctify you. We don't stop reading the Bible just because we experience salvation. Oh, whoa. I'm good. I read John 3.16. Salvation. Okay, Bible can go on the shelf. No, we need it not only to save us, but to sanctify us and equip you, equip you to do the will of God that we talked about. And that is proclaim the gospel to a lost and dying world around us. I told you guys this was going to be a short sermon this morning. I thought I might even be the only pastor who fell asleep during his own sermon, but I don't need to say anything more than that. It's right there, black and white, red if you have that kind of Bible. That's a, I just thought of that. That's a good new joke. What's black and white and red all over? The Word of God. There you go. You can use that now. You can use that. Take that one to the bank. I, le I learned something at church this morning. It was a new joke. Be people who understand the sufficiency of this and allow it to radically transform your life. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. But God, this morning I come to you praising you for your word. God, I don't think we can fully comprehend how amazing, how wonderful your word is. The more I try to think about it, the more I, I just am amazed and, and almost perplexed and confused about how wonderful it is. And I just praise you for this great mystery of your scripture. And I thank you for how impactful it has been in my life and how transcendent it can be in the lives of others around me. And I just pray that you would help them to realize that, to soak it in, to understand it, and allow it to transform their lives in a great and mighty way. God, give us a boldness to proclaim the truth of your gospel in this world around us. Give us the strength to stand strong in these words when our culture tells us that everything in here is wrong or outdated. Give us the, the wisdom to understand your truths over all, God. But most of all, to focus on your son, Jesus Christ, as the way, the truth, the life. And that no one comes to you, the Father, except through him and his death, burial, and resurrection. God, we love you. We praise you and we thank you for that gift. And I pray that if, if someone in here has not received that gift from you this morning, that, that that would have made its way into their brain and that they would come running down here this morning to talk to someone about how they can receive this gift of eternal life in you, God. 
God, we praise you once again. We can't say it enough how much we praise you and we love you. It's all in your son's precious name of Jesus that we pray. Amen.